Hello, friends. It's good to be with you as always. Uh, many episodes, I, I offer an invitation for you to send me questions or to invite topics that you might want me to cover. Um, this past week, I got an email uh, from a listener <clears throat> who just watched a podcast, heard that invitation, and she wrote me a note um, that said she's getting a, a, a constant question from someone close to her in her life, or I guess maybe not so much a question, but a statement that involved God. And she wanted me to uh, address it. And so what, what this woman was hearing from someone in her life was this, uh, and I'm quoting here, well, it is certainly obvious by what is going on in the world that God is trying to tell us something and they better start listening to him. Okay. So again, well, it's ob certainly obvious by what is going on in the world that God is trying to tell us something and they better start listening to him. And this uh, individual asked if I could address that. This will not by any means be an exhaustive um, discussion about all of the ways we could think about that, but a, a handful of ways to reflect on that or to think about that um, statement. The first is it suggests that the individuals making that uh, comment uh, has some kind of direct access to God or God's uh, uh, desire for the world. And that would indicate that that individual is, in biblical terms, a prophet. Now, there are prophets, there have been prophets, but in the bi biblical witness, we're also reminded that there are lots of what? False prophets. And so the first thing I would say about uh, someone making a claim like that, well, God is saying something to us, and they better listen to God, is a word of caution um, that uh, as Christians, one of the way we protect against false prophets is by reading the Bible uh, and understanding the biblical witness in community. And that not only means the community of a church or a congregation at, at a moment in time, but it, it means uh, reading a Bible uh, passage with the community of all Christians who have ever lived, okay? And so uh, it becomes very difficult uh, to take the advice of someone on very specific things absent that community. And one of the things reading the Bible in community teaches us is that certainly the events of the world may remind us of certain truths. Um, and these may sound obvious, but I think it's important for us to be reminded of them. They would be things like, remember how fragile life is. Or remember, there are limits to our control over the events of life. Or be reminded to hope in and trust in a loving God. Those things I think we can all agree on. When you get to specifics about, well, here's what God is saying particularly, it gets very dangerous. So that's one, uh, maybe two thoughts. We read the Bible in community and we can accept broad statements, but as you get to more particular statements, it gets much more complicated. Um, I've been reading a lot of Dorothy Sayers right now. She, um, I've mentioned her in pre previous episodes. This may be a little bit of a, of a side path, but she was well-known initially for writing detective stories featuring a detective named Peter Whimsey. These are fictional, right? And that was leading up to the Second World War. She actually moved away from doing that in part because she felt like it was training people to think that life is like a detective story and you can just figure it out, right? And here's what she says. Um, 
it has been borne in upon me uh, that people are getting rather too much of the detective story attitude to life, a sort of assumption that there is a nice, neat solution for every imaginable, imaginable problem. I am now spending my time telling people that real difficulties, such as sin, death, and the night bomber, she was living again through the Second World War in London, can't be solved like crosswords. And I think, again, the comment from this listener's friend saying, well, God is trying to tell us something, maybe is, it suggests an oversimplification of the mystery or the complexities of life. Um, I, I, I want to lift up now in another direction. I, I mentioned this in a prior episode. We will link to this. This was the episode on Lectio Divina. I won't go through the whole thing again, but you may remember that one of the things I've recognized as I have taught people how to pray in that way in groups is when we get to the final movement of that form of prayer and we say, what do you hear God saying to you? Very frequently they will say, well, I hear God saying, my neighbor needs to mow his lawn. Right? Or I hear God saying that my relative is being really mean to me and he or she really needs to stop it. Again, there's that same dynamic where um, in, a, in a form of prayer, people are hearing God, they say, God telling them to tell something to someone else so that other people can change their lives. That's not the way the Bible works, right? The Bible comes to us, God's word comes to us to say, in my case, Tim, you need to hear this for yourself. You need to change, right? And then maybe in some small way, by allowing myself to be changed by God, I will become a better uh, reflector of God's love back out to other people. But God is not asking us to be judgmental about other people. <clears throat> I'm reminded in that vein of a, of a very funny but profoundly true quip by a writer named Anne Lamott, some of you may know her, and she says about this, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image, and, and making an image of God is one of the things the Bible just uh, rails against from beginning to end. Uh, that would make it a, an idol, and we're the last kind of idol that we should turn our God into. So again, she says, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. And I sense in that comment, again, from the person who asked the question, this sense that, well, there are people out there and clearly God is not happy with them. And I hope they're listening to God, right? <clears throat> Final thought. This takes us back to Jesus. Um, well, and, and in that, that line, uh, that the question, uh, it's certainly obvious by what's going on in the world. God is trying to tell us something and they better start listening. It's a little unclear what God is saying and who they are. Back in Jesus' day, there was an event in his life where people came to him uh, telling him, this woman has been caught, and we caught her specifically in an act of adult adultery. So this was not vague. This was specific and clear, and there were clear rules against it. Um, and the, the, the punishment for it would have been death. So these people come to Jesus, they accuse this woman of adultery, and they, they ask him, what should her punishment be? Now, I don't know if you remember this uh, biblical story. You can look it up in the 7th and 8th chapter of, of chapters of John. But there's a very interesting detail that happens. Um, the, the people come, they accuse this woman, and the first thing that happens, we're told by Jesus, is that he, he seems to be ignoring them. 
And instead he's just writing in the dust or writing in the ground. It's a very specific narrative detail. <clears throat> and so they, it, we're told that they keep questioning him. Um, and he straightens up and he says to them, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And in the very next sentence it says, and once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. So twice he's using his finger to write. We're not told what he's writing on the ground um, and we can't know, but some interpreters have wondered if he is writing on the ground the names of the accusers. So these people come to Jesus accusing another woman. He seems not to be listening to them, but you can imagine this scene where perhaps it's, I don't know, three, four, five men, I assume, and he's writing in the ground in the dust, Jim, Joe, Tom. And he asks the question, let any of you who are without sin cast the first stone. And what do they do? They leave. They walk away and they stop accusing the woman because they become aware that, oh, I'm the one who's being accused here. And my job is not to judge other people, but my job is to acknowledge my own sinfulness and ask for forgiveness. Much more could be said about all of that, but I hope it's at least a preliminary answer to a really important question. Uh, I'm grateful for the question, and I invite others as always. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, thanks for watching. Be well and stay in touch. Mm -hmm.